Hello and welcome, Frequency Fam. This is your host, Madam Butterfly, and you are tuned in to another episode of Frequency Bay. So on this episode, I'll be going over some information in regards to what the NFL is doing with cannabis research. Um, so within the last couple of years, I believe that um, the NFL has decided to go ahead and invest upwards of a million dollars into uh, cannabis research in order to find pain relief methods for, uh, I, I'm guessing, their players. Um, and I have here an article by Very Heal, V-E-R-I-H-E-A-L, um, and I'm going to go over this, and after this, I'm going to go over, um, give some commentary on a video that the NFL uh, posted on uh, on YouTube. So uh, let's get started. And the, the title of this particular article is The NFL to Award Research Grant to Investigate Cannabis Therapy, which uh, part of the reason why this is, is such big news is because, um, for those of you who don't know, the NFL is uh, primarily headed by very conservative white cis men therefore you know oftentimes they bring a lot of their you know very strict conservative ideologies to NFL and as a result we uh, you know the NFL has been plagued with all kinds of you know um, insane injuries from you know broken femurs broken ACLs to concussions um, so it, it's pretty bad. So it's, it's definitely, in, in, in my opinion, investing in, investing in, um, investing in cannabis is, is, it, it, it has the potential to really blow the door open in regards to, um, creating a better avenue for, um, the health of their players, which is, you know, at the top of the list when it comes to being able to be an effective, being able to be an effective um, football player, long term, that is. But anyway, let me stop jabbering. It's a sad day in America when private corporations like Amazon and the NFL are making bigger moves to support the public opinion of cannabis than the elected conservative, than the elected representatives in the United States government. The National Football League has taken proactive steps toward moving into the future with a research grant to explore potential therapeutic attributes of CBD. Uh, Sorry about that. Gotta put my phone on do not disturb. Anyway, grant to explore um, potential therapeutic contributions of CBD cannabis and other uh, options to treat pain other than opioids. So, um, if they're looking at CBD and cannabis. I also think that they should take the time to do research into things like BCD, um, which is another strain that is associated with with cannabis, uh, beyond THC, 
because I, I believe CBD and one other strain um, associated with, with cannabis is used for things like PTSD and anxiety and sleeping disorders and things of that nature. So I'm curious to know how deep the NFL will decide to dive into their research as far as um, marijuana and weed is concerned. So this is, this is interesting to me personally. But anyway, I'm gonna continue. Currently, the NFL doesn't have a problem generating money if you go by what most people's income looks like. The NFL um, averages around $15 billion annually. To put that in perspective, financially, the, can the cannabis industry and an association or the cannabis industry is predicted to produce $24 billion in sales this year. Not bad for an industry that hasn't been in legal business since the 1940s. The NFL has uh, recognized this and decided to award up to $1 million to a research grant towards investigating the therapeutic poten uh, potentials of cannabis and other alternatives for treatment, treating pain. The government is doing what they do best when it comes to cannabis legalization, but that is beating around the bush. They pretend like it doesn't really matter when people try to stand up to their bullies. They just prolong things, hope, hoping people will go the other way, forget about it, or just simply perish. This is exactly what happened in 2017 when at, at the time, 12-year-old Alex Borrell, along with others like Marvin Washington and former NFL linesman sued the United States federal government over keeping cannabis a Schedule One drug. The case was dismissed, but the remnants in federal appeals court, where it still sits to this day, the federal government might want to take a couple of notes from the NFL in March of 2020. NFL and NFL team owners owners uh, removed the possibility of players becoming suspended over positive drug tests. The covering, this covered all drugs, not just cannabis. In January of this year, the UFC announced athletes who tested positive for cannabis would, excuse me, would no longer be subject to penalties. It continues on the F, it continues with the NDA, the NBA, and the NHL. Now, if we could just get the USFG to see this to see this way, where considering the benefits of cannabis legalization, let's look at why the NFL is exploring the other options, exploring other options for treating pain. I think we have enough stories. You know, I, I think we have enough tears in regards to the mothers and the, and the wives and the children in association with, you know, the men who have decided to put their bodies on the line to hold the NFL as a career, you know what I mean, long term. And just having that as a career your entire life to then, you know, one may day make it into the NFL and then to become, you know, a fucking vegetable 10, 20 years down the line or however long it takes. And then have... It just it just leaves a really devastating. It, it leaves a really 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 devastating path in its wake for the men who decide to go into the industry of, you know, becoming an athlete, becoming part of the NFL, 
and then to turn around to, to, to not have the type of care that they need is, is ridiculous. But anyway, let's, let's continue. NFL Research Grant will invest in a bright future for athletes and others. The opiate epidemic is real. It is still here and has not gone away despite COVID-19's 5G and all of the other news headlines that has covered, covered it up. I mean, the, the coin shortage, we don't talk about the coin shortage, but we, we still have a massive coin shortage going on in regards to our economy, but I, I guess that's something that you could tack on as well. But anyway, more people misuse prescription drugs in 2009 than heroin. That says a lot. According to a government statistic, 10.1 million people over the age of 12 missed, goodness, 10.1 million people over the age of 12 misused opioids. To be a little more specific, 9.7 million of them misused prescription painkillers, while over 745,000 were reported using heroin. This is a staggering and alarming statistic. Uh, Drugbase.org estimates the economic burden of prescriptions, prescription opioid misuse in the United States alone to be worth about $78.5 billion a year. They say that somewhere between 21 to 29% of individuals that were prescribed opioids misuse them. 8 to 12% of those individuals developed an opioid disorder, an opioid use disorder, and 4 to 6% of transition to transition to heroin. The issue is considered to be a public crisis and new options and alternatives for pain management and the treatment of chronic pain need to be explored. If you look back on the history of opioids, of heroin, heroin specifically, and crack specifically, it, those are things that at one point were very common, very used, and um, made a killing, you know, back back when they had those, those, those tight corsets <laughs> and those giant bottoms. Um, so, I mean, not long ago, we were all typically pretty happy with, with our opioid use and our heroin use and the use of crack. Um, continuing though. People in the United States around the world have been screaming for decades that cannabis helps relieve their pain. Individuals suffering from chronic pain, arthritis, stress, depression, anxiety, and much more find relief through therapeutic cannabis. It is actually very welcoming to see the NFL looking into the caption or the option of cannabis as a potential treatment for pain for the athletes that make this sport what it is. Personally, um, anxiety and depression is something that I have. Uh, I was diagnosed at one point with uh, CPSD. So things like marijuana, uh, THC, CBD, are things that I use on a regular basis. Ayahuasca is another one. Um, so I mean, there are real testimonies and there are real people who are excelling at an insane rate because of 
things like um, uh, things like AdReal, things like um, what's mentioned in this article. But anyway, I'm going to continue. Strong support from NFL players as well, which is great. Even with the NFL research grant, the organization is still not as strong when it comes to showing support for cannabis. Well, at least the players are not. Leagues throughout the NFL, such as our legends, I'm sorry, throughout the NFL, such as McMahon of the Chicago Bears, Eddie Boo Williams of the New Orleans Saints, a Nate Jackson of the Denver Broncos, and Hugo Monroe of the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry if I butchered those names. All have a very strong stance supporting cannabis legalization and medical cannabis. Cannabis is currently recommended by physicians across the country for a multitude of different reasons. Cannabis is found to help parents control symptoms of stress, depression, anxiety, nausea, migraines, headaches, uh, menstrual cramps, severe, um, severe disorders, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, just to name a few, along with a continually growing list of ailments. My G, if herbs ain't the answer, I don't know what it is. But anyway, I'm going to read the article. <laughs> um, cannabis as a medicine isn't just bombs and blunts. Some people have a skewed perception of how cannabis would help NFL players with pain. They envision everyone sitting on the sidelines, smoking joints, blazing buds and passing around bombs to help their pain. It's a lie. The next thing you know, the players will be laughing on the field, just standing there mindlessly waiting to run to, to the Gatorade cooler. This couldn't be fur the furthest thing from the truth. And in regards to what cannabis could actually do on the sidelines for NFL players, one of the most powerful methods of consumption of Treating chronic pain with cannabis is FECO or full or full extraction cannabis oil. This is the stuff that you hear about. You hear about patients with cancer and seizure disorders uh, finding success with. It's not about. It's not always about THC. Many other cannabis cannab Many other cannabinoids such as CBD. Yes. CGB, CBG, and CBN, and others uh, play important roles in pain management, exactly, and only in many other avenues of health and wellness. The U.S. federal government should look at the NFL and learn from them. Stop the madness and put on and put an end to cannabis pro prohibition using use. Ushering in, ushering in a new era that begins to make right the wrongs of the past. We all can see what happened. It was a good ride for many of you while it lasted, but the days of yesterday are closer to an end. The NFL supports cannabis. Why can't you? And that, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, 
one thing about CBD that it is that it tackles it tackles a lot. It tackles a lot of different ailments, and there's more to it than just THC. There's more to it than it just being cannabis. There's more to it than it just being a plant. Um, and if you take the time to really understand weed and cannabis and marijuana, you'll have a better idea of what it can do for you. Most people don't because they don't take the time to understand it past, uh, I guess, just the general surface conversation in relationship to it. Greetings. Salutations. So that's that on that. <laughs> I think it's really great that NFL is finally taking time. I mean, better late than never. They're finally taking their time to really explore what what cannabis is about. And we know we need more studies on the books. So it's great. The studies on the books in general in regards to cannabis, so it's great that the NFL is taking the time to take the lead in regards to this. I think that this is an avenue that can make them a hell of a lot more money um, because the, the cannabis industry is an industry that is a behemoth of an industry, and it, it kind of just happened overnight. Um, so shout out to, to, to them for taking the lead even if it is under the guise of I let's just let's just see what happens let's you know put our conservative views aside for five seconds and decide to explore something new because I mean you aren't gonna get what you never had if you never try anything new so they say You know what I mean? I think um, the cannabis industry is an industry that everybody should be exploring in one way or another, especially the communities of color. Um, so I'm interested to see where this goes in relationship to the players and also the people who are benefiting financially. I think this is going to be great for everybody. You know, I have a really optimistic uh 
Like I'm, I'm optimistic as heck when it comes to what this could possibly manifest into. pull up this um whatchamacallit video really quick and we're gonna give it a listen because I'm interested in hearing more about this personally definitely have you know some questions All right, guys. Marijuana may be the new Toradol in an 
Fans need something to be able to put up with the beatings that they put their bodies through. Maybe marijuana is the way to go because it is becoming a legalized substance in a lot of uh, states in this country, some of which the NFL have teams in, some of which they don't have teams in. John, could we be looking at reefer madness in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, I think like the rest of society, we're heading down that road. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think this is a little bit disingenuous from both sides, by the way. I, I mean... Look, I always say, look, smoke whatever. I don't give a crap if you want to smoke weed or not, personally. But I, I do know when, you know, I've had six knee operations, for instance. I do know when you're looking See? for... Wait, wait, wait. He's trying to sneak that one in there, honest. Six knee operations? Six. Six and counting. I'm done, though. I'm not I'm not getting any more. But what, anyway, how, how the hell did you hurt your knee that bad? Well, I, I, I heard it when I was young, and just came from there didn't have the greatest first surgery you know i'm old so it was you know they had to cut me open it wasn't the arthroscopic days so anyway but larger point being jody i've never met anybody coming out of surgery that says hey you know don't give me the good stuff give me the weed um i i do think from the player's perspective i've always said it's more about the partying than the pain they want to be able to smoke it because they want to be able to smoke it. By the way, I think they should be able to smoke it. But he's saying, and he's talking about smoking marijuana, when there are about 101 different ways to ingest marijuana nowadays, it's not just smoking anymore. It's become, I, I, the, the, marijuana industry industry wasn't able to cut become as big as it's gotten overnight through just blunts my g so the idea that football players like the only thing that they'll be doing is smoking weed is i that's that's a bit narrow-minded in my my opinion it's not getting them through games if they have serious injuries and, and they want to uh, try to bite through it. It's just not. I, I mean, so that's where the disingenuous part comes in. I don't think it should be a big deal. The NFL has already kind of acquiesced in the fact that the penalties really don't exist anymore. So you can smoke weed. You're not going to see any more suspensions if you're a, a habitual user um, and you really have a problem with it, uh, you might have some issues on your 10th failure. Uh, who knows how, how deep it gets into. So they, they've already made that shift. But when people start talking about replacing Toradol or, or something like that nature, and by the way, they'd rather have something stronger than Toradol. They already locked it, you know, because there are side effects to using serious drugs and trying to get through games. So the bigger issue to me is the NFL, NFL football as a whole. It's a dangerous sport. You're going to get hurt playing it, Jody. And if you think weed is going to get you through serious injuries, good luck, man. I enjoy it. Good luck. Here's where this cynic will go with the entire line of thinking. And again, you're, you're getting varying opinions from the players union and the NFL itself and their trying to do its best. Each is trying to do its best for themselves, 
acceptable in this country that it isn't something that is going to have as long-ranging effects because you're right something else if Doradol is out something's got to replace it and the most likely thing that's going to replace it is some kind of opiate and we have a big enough problem with opiates in that country the NFL the players don't go go yeah we're going to use more opiates nobody wants to hear that nobody wants to go down that road but you got to give them something so yeah you know marijuana everyone feels that much better after they smoke marijuana let's let's go there as our replacement for Toradol I think it's kind of a look over here while we're actually doing business over here uh, <laughs> situation with the fact that I would not be surprised yeah, if opiate use was up in yeah, the well, uh, I guess my, I should have explained it better. My, my argument is from an efficacy standpoint, like marijuana is not going to replace Toradol or any opiate from an efficacy standpoint. Well, it make people... Efficacy. One thing the NFL has passed is efficacy. <laughs> there are no real ethics in the NFL. It's a business and it's a game at the end of the day. And that's what it comes down to. And it comes down to their bottom line. And part of the NFL's bottom line is their, their product. And who's the product? The product is the game. Who's a part of the product? The players. The players are a part of the product, which is the game, which makes the money. And if what's a part of the problem, a part of the product is is going to affect the bottom line, then that's an issue. And if opioids from the pharmaceutical industry is becoming an issue, it it it, it makes sense that they are taking the time to turn around and find different outlets in order to address this issue. I don't know why this man is talking about ethics. Uh, Jody Mack. Um, this is a conversation between Jody Mack and John McMiller on um, Brew 98. Um, Birds 365. And this was posted June 10th, 2021. Um... I don't know. I, I'm guessing. I, I'm feeling like his, his ideology is a bit skewed in regards to this. Because, I mean, when it comes to the NFL, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. You know? Feel a little bit better? Sure. Uh, on the short term. But it's not nearly as effective. So, my bigger point is, let them let them have their marijuana. But it should be a different conversation. The conversation about getting through a game or fighting through pain, either have something that allows you to do that, that's safe and effective, or you don't. And the bigger question is, okay, <clears throat> excuse me, if we can't use Toradol, or we have no replacement from an efficacy standpoint. Also, um, after this, I'm going to go over an article in regards to the drug that they're talking about, specifically Thoradol, um, from the NFL. Uh, some people, um, uh, <laughs> posted, well, not posted, but they, they put together an article, um, Taylor Dunn, and it, and it was illustrated by Ariel Davis and posted January 11, 2017, so... 
this is not a new issue. It's new to me, but it's 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 obviously an issue that has been uh, very prevalent within the NFL community, which is not really much of a um, surprise given you know what they do. But anyway. so disrespectful oh my god <laughs> these ads be so disrespectful oh i swear to god <laughs> don't just pop up in the middle of my shit like that the fuck is you <laughs> for my national column i actually Man. did a column years ago i i did a column it was entitled it, it's about the party not the pain and i'm fine with that Guys want to smoke it. Guys want to be able to use it. I'm fine, 100%. But it's not about the pain. It isn't. It isn't. It's not effective. It's not effective in a football sense. In a football sense, where you've got to go out there on a torn ligament in your ankle, like Jane Lane Johnson, it's not going to get you on the field. So that, to me, is a different discussion. In case you're just tuning in here to Birds 365, Johnny and I, in the first hour today, we're talking about the QB3 position with the Philadelphia Eagles, where they released Jamie Newman yesterday. Uh, guilty as charged, I was one of those guys who 
uh, talked to enough people leading up to the draft that he was shoot. I asked I, of many guys, Rick Saratello and the other draft guys I had on either my national radio show or here with Johnny Mack, who is a quarterback the Eagles could draft day three that they still think of themselves as a quarterback factory that uh, they'll get someone and believe they can mold them into a quarterback, maybe even turn around and trade him for a draft pick later on. We've seen enough of that with this organization over the years. They've actually done a pretty good job at it, uh, taking a undrafted and or a lower round draft pick and then being able to trade him for a higher position. So who is that guy? And almost every individual always said, well, Jamie Newman, here's a guy who's got talent and skills and he was going to transfer to Georgia. It was unfortunate we didn't get a chance to see him this year. Well, he opted out. It was his choice. And I think uh, he had things to deal with and issues. I can't judge the young man for making the decision, but as we sit here now, I think you can say it probably hurt his position in the whole draft process when he decided to do that, but that's water under the bridge right now. Uh, the Eagles not only didn't draft him, they signed him as a free agent after the draft, and we found out that they didn't even have to give him any guaranteed money to come in here and put his name on a thrown-up Eagle contract. And I thought it was a heck of a maneuver by the Eagles. Well, after a couple of off-season gatherings, we found out that Jamie Newman is no longer a thrown-up Eagle, that they flat-out cut him yesterday, which, yes, came as a surprise to me. Am I shedding tears about it? No. Do I think, oh, my God, he's going to be a starting quarterback for a decade in this league <laughs> for someone else? No. I don't think that's the case either. But I uh, got a admit that legitimately I was surprised by it uh, and a little disappointed, probably more disappointed in the player uh, that he either came to camp unprepared or isn't up to snuff uh, talent-wise to be able to be kept around. They, uh, unless they're desperate for a roster spot, getting down to just two healthy quarterbacks doesn't seem to be like the way you would go just because you're desperate to clear a roster spot, yet we can afford to cut another quarterback. And I know five weeks of doing nothing until camp starts. So John and I were throwing around a little speculation as to who could be uh, QB3 as of right now, who would be the third-string quarterback, because they got to add somebody, if not two people, by the time camp rolls around, because there are a lot of passing drills that have to be run. Um, i got to give credit to uh, the stream here, who put a name on us, a uh, name out there for it, that it completely slipped my mind. And he's not eligible to become an Eagle because he's still on another team's roster. But at some point, he could become available. Might not be before the Eagles actually get to camp, and that's when they're going to need him. But the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld right now in San Francisco is QB4. Uh, they have uh, they've started Jimmy Garoppolo. They have Trey Lance. So they used the third pick in the draft time. They have Josh Rosen. Talk about overrated. Uh, drafted at number 10 just a couple of years ago. He's had a couple of chances. Has, in my mind, proven that he can't play in the league, but for some reason, San Francisco is the latest one to say, yeah, yeah, come on into camp, impress us. And Nate Seinfeld. So they've got two backup quarterbacks who've actually started games in the National Football League, which is a pretty good position to be if you're in San Francisco. Does the owner, Jeff Glory, use his influence here and tell Howie Roseman, can we use a conditional seventh-round pick <laughs> to trade to the 49ers to get the yeah, unstoppable Nate back? You just let the unstoppable one go, and then you got to send a draft pick to get him back? How bad would that be? 
I'm surprised we haven't gotten to Nick Bowles people yet, to be honest. Are they opening a spot for Nick Bowles? You know, I said Nick, and by the way, Nick Mullins, I, number one, I can't believe he hasn't signed anywhere. I had to double check again. Uh, guys, stop. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap up with this last article because I am Felicia Clay. I'm full of, what else, uh, Chipotle. And uh, I'm ready for a nap. So that's a little bit of information in regards to that. I'll probably post all of this information that I'm going over on my uh, my Frequency Bay page on YouTube. So if you are interested in seeing the full bit, um, you're more than welcome to do so on my page. Um, so this particular article is called The NFL's Drug of Choice. Uh, inflictions and pain relieving pill on game day potential <laughs> lasting damage br mags surgery of 50 current players sheds light in a pro football dirt pro football's dirty little secret uh toradol t-o-r-a-d-o-l and uh like i said it's by tyler dunn illustrated by angel not Angel, I'm sorry, Ariel Davis, uh, published January 11, 2017. Again, this, uh, the opioid epidemic within the, within the NFL is not something that's new. It's, it's very old. It's a, uh, a really unfortunate situation, but I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Um, they didn't ask questions if something hurt. NFL players simply stepped in line. Behind dozens of others waiting for same drugs one by one for years for years, uh, players have taken a shot of Toradol to the rear or excuse me. Hold on, I lost my place. For the same drug one by one for years, players have taken a shot of Toradol to the rear or swallowed the pill. The drug in pill form to play football on Sunday. The game day ritual was commonplace, but not without consequence. I've hurt myself. One veteran AFC uh, operative offensive lineman tells our B&R mag and they'd, and they'd be shoveling pills in my mouth while they're taping my ankle. That was the culture. The culture was, we're going to play no matter what. You might as well make yourself comfortable. Damn. Again, the product. Continuing, the NFL, NFL's culture around the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug is shifting slowly team to team. Toradol's use has become more measured. But according to an unprecedented survey by our being our mag, it remains the drug of choice by powerlifting professional football players throughout the violence of the sport. Through the violence of the sport, being our mag spent the NFL season interviewing 50 active players who said they took, they had been taking toward all rookies and vets, fantasy picks, and pro pro ballers, free agents, superstars, journeymen, and granted immunity to allow them. And granted immunity to allow them to speak openly about their medical treatment without fear of repercussions from their employers or the league. 
I don't like the way that sounds. And they did open up about the blood and the coral ribs and the coral. They did open up about the blood, the cracked ribs, the twisted fingers, and the mangled knees, all pushed aside by a needle or a pill. Eight teams now remain the Super Bowl aspirations. You can count on Teradol, a brand name for the drug. A brand name for the drug. Keterdol. K-E-O. K-E-T-O-R-O-L-A-C. That a doctor compromises to that a doctor compares to a stronger and much faster faster acting version of Advil or Aleve. It serves as a quick fix for many of the injuries their players incur. Yeah. When it comes to these players that are on the field, you know, a lot of what they do can be um A lot of what they do is a reflection of the team that they have behind scenes and like the, the, the doctors and the medical physicians that they see on a regular basis. So um, when you're seeing bullshit on the field or when you're seeing bullshit up front, a lot of that can be accounted to the people who are nameless and faceless behind scenes. But I'm going to continue. Look at Tony Romo. He lost his start, starting job and gets it back and, get, and can't get it back, says guys see that and other guys i guess talking about the other players see that um of the 50 players surveyed by bnr mag through sunday's first round of playoff games 40 say they're not concerned or mildly concerned about the long-term damage they've done to their bodies as a result of taking tour at all players instead overwhelmingly agree that the need to play the, the need to play Trump's health repercussions of the 50 to 25. See, see, um, this is why I could never, I could never have my future husband play football. This is why I could never have my future children play a game like this because they're saying that the future repercussions outweigh what's going to be happening now. And a lot of that has is attached to money. Uh, uh, a lot of that is attached to this or that person that they know having food in their mouths at the end of the day. Which is why they're willing to put their bodies and the li- their lives on the line nowadays and, and kind of just fuck off the long term. There should be a safety net that the NFL provides to its players, period. Because there would be no NFL if there were no players, period. And this is that bullshit that I'm talking about because the coaches, they don't have to worry about shit like this. The the, 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 the whiteheads that are involved in, in, in handling their handlers, quote unquote the players, they don't have to worry about long-term bullshit like this. Um, and I hate reading about this and I hate seeing 
players that are predominantly black have no safety net because they deserve a safety net. Like why, why, what is, what, as much money as the NFL makes, you would think that they would provide a safety net as far as their health is concerned. Yet and still, here we are. Anyway, I'm going to continue. Um, of the 50 players surveyed BNR, surveyed by BNR MAG through Sunday's first round playoffs games, 40 say that 40 of them say are saying that they're not concerned or mildly concerned after the long-term damage they've done to their bodies as a result of taking Toradol. Uh, players insisted overwhelmingly agree, insistingly overwhelmingly agree that the they that the need to play Trump's uh, health repercussions. If the 50 to 23 admit they're they've taken Toradol for years as opposed to days or months, all 50 players agree it's most effective to take Toradol on game day, typically an hour or so before warm-ups. It zaps that inflammation, says an AFC uh, offensive lineman. The pain would kick would the, the pain would kick on Monday, says another. The players responded to a nine-question survey today if its findings and uh, told of its findings and NFL spokesman said Monday, yes, we do have any, we do not have anything further to say. This is up to medical staff at the clubs. The survey results and companies interviewed and accompanying interviews revealed a direct, a clear directive. Uh, no matter any culture shift, the pressure on NFL players to withstand injuries requires higher requirements are higher than ever. But saying, some do fear that learn that leaning on turtle as a crutch during their player during their play days playing days will do lasting damage to their bodies. Grievingly concerned, one AFC defense lineman checked off. Uh, choosing the highest level of after of later in life concerns in the concern in the B and R mag survey everything you do to your body to play this game is gonna add up he says I do I'll do anything and I and another thing say two or three of these players were to get together and to create a and create a wellness center established with exactly what these players would need they could very easily make enough money to be able to go i don't know worldwide or or around america and have and, and have facilities all around america that's generational wealth that is an option that these people could do but i again i don't i don't know if they're thinking about that but i'm i'm going to go ahead and continue BNR Max surveyed everything you do to your body adds up. He says, I'll do, I'll still do it. The money changed my life for me and my family, but you know you're going to pay the price. You're go you've got to stay on the field, says another. DFC Defense adds, it's a revolving door in this league. Still, an AFC 
Linebacker is quick to insist that Toradol remains good for the game as he holds out a, at a battered hand, left hand, uh, nicked up, swollen, and shaking a bit. He says his hand throbbed throughout the 2016 season and is riddled with damage, tish, damaged tissue and strained ligaments on Monday after taking Toradol and playing since playing every Sunday, the linebacker says he said his pain easily reached an 8 on a scale of 1 to 10. Toradol first surfaced in the NFL in the mid late in the mid to late 1900s or 1990s and is approved by the FDA. Uh, still some players remain concerned about the long-term effects that it may have on their health and rightly so. And it doesn't make sense that, again, these players don't have better safety nets with as much money as the NFL makes on a yearly basis. And I I do, yes, they have the most professional doctors. They have some of the most professional professional chiropractors and nurses and doctors and yada, 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 and all of that. And that's great. But there is a stigma and there's just a bad taste that remains and in a dark cloud that remains over over um the nfl industry and the way that they treat their players they they could do so much better and i don't know why they're not um i'm gonna finish up there in regards to this article and i'm gonna wrap up the show today thank you so much for listening um, if you stuck with me this far, uh, Madam Butterfly is out and you will see me again this, this Sunday.